Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. Refraction is the bending of light as it passes from one transparent substance to another. Those who seek the truth above all things find that faith is required for the rightly ordered life. Though this is true, grand statements of courage and bravado are not the sole property of just those who possess a holy fear of God. Even the pagan Thucydides would say, the bravest are surely those who have the clearest vision of what is before them, glory and danger alike, and yet notwithstanding, go out to meet it. And who can disagree? Surely the saints have not. Whether it's six degrees of separation or three degrees of influence, some would say in common that it's a small world. Because of the influence of those that have literally walked before us, beside us, and in step with us, and not to mention the similar role that you have played in the lives of others, makes one think, as Abraham Lincoln noted, whatever you are, be a good one. How then is it that anyone could discount the influence of the saints upon us all? St. Maria Faustina Kowalska of the Blessed Sacrament a Polish Roman Catholic nun and mystic. Her apparitions of Jesus Christ earned her the title of Secretary of Divine Mercy. Throughout her life, Kowalska reported having visions of Jesus and conversations with him, which she noted in her diary, and she later published these conversations with Jesus regarding the Divine Mercy devotion. Divine Mercy Sunday is celebrated now on the Sunday following Easter Sunday. Consider this refraction of light. Pope John Paul II both beatified and canonized Kowalska. Pope John Paul II died on April 2005 on the eve of Divine Mercy Sunday, and he was himself beatified by his successor, Pope Benedict XVI, on Divine Mercy Sunday in May of 2011, and was canonized by Pope Francis on Divine Mercy Sunday, April 2014. Some say coincidence. Albert Einstein would say the word coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Consider this. Sir Isaac Newton, using a triangular block of glass called a prism, showed how sunlight shining through it creates a spectrum of colors. When white light shines through a prism, each color refracts at a slightly different angle, which is the specific truth behind the rainbow. The impact of each of us on others, like the impact that others have had upon us, is dependent upon the angle that our influence appears from. In a similar way, a rainbow is formed when light enters each drop of rain in the sky. The white light reflects off the inside of the raindrop before refracting as it departs, leaving a signature color angle by angle, drop by drop. As we move through life, we sometimes forget about these influence of angles, or we might say perspective, since we are talking about human nature in this latter sense, and not just physical nature alone. This usually occurs when we stop looking up, or as Paul told the Colossians, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. If God seems far away, who was it that moved? When Peter walked on water and his faith weakened, wasn't he still able to reach the hand of Christ? The center of the circle of a rainbow will always be over the shadow of your head upon the ground. As we move, so the rainbow moves. Therefore, God's promise will always be over our shadow.
Let us then remain grounded under the Lordship of Christ and His divine mercy. And as we consider those who have borne influence upon us, and we upon them as well, let us begin with a humble beginning that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. I mean, didn't we all begin as poor banished children of Eve, mourning and weeping in this veil of tears? Not as some pious underlings under a special tent, or as Lincoln might have said. It has been my experience that folks who have no vices have very few virtues. God speaks to each of us about our life, and yes, we listen. Often in fear and trembling, we offer our lives to Him, inviting Him to take something from it. We most readily offer the choice parts or the parts we feel are safe to offer Him, or those parts that we think won't cost us too much to give away, relegating ourselves to mediocrity. Lex orendi, lex cretendi, the Latin for what we pray is what we believe. The command of Jesus that we pray to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect seems impossible, doesn't it? Some might say outrageous. Being aware of the weakness and the darkness that lurks within our hearts, though, is what makes it so. We, like Martha before the tomb of Lazarus, tremble, saying, Don't open it, Lord. There'll be a stench. And we so often turn away from him and hide in our pain instead of being raised. St. Teresa of Lisieux, the little flower, writes, In our willing acceptance of our imperfection and weakness, our poverty and our need, God meets us. She writes again, When perfection was set before me, I understood that to become a saint one had to suffer much. Then, as in the days of my childhood, I cried out, My God, I choose all. I don't want to be a saint by halves. I'm not afraid to suffer for you. I only fear one thing, to keep my own will. So take it, Lord, for I choose all that you will. St. Faustina writes that Jesus spoke to her saying, Fight like a knight so that I can reward you. Do not be unduly fearful because you are not alone. A saint is formed when divine mercy enters each breath of life. The divine mercy reflects off the inside of a man, and before it departs in our exhale, leaves a signature and a pathway for the man to follow. Breath by breath, heartbeat by heartbeat. Therefore we go out to meet life head on. Pope Pius XI memorably said, Let us thank God that he makes us live among the present problems, because it is no longer permitted to anyone to be mediocre. Ain't it so? This is Gettin' Grit signing off. I hope you'll come see us at www.gritquest.com. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum.